Welcome to this episode of the B2B Engagement Podcast. Today, we're very fortunate to be joined by a senior executive, Daniel Sherrill, who is the Director of Strategic Customer Engagements at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And we're going to be focusing on how to create human-to-human interactions in customer experience centers, customer innovation centers, and other physical formats for creating customer engagement. And the twist to this is that Daniel's going to tell us how to transform these to not only physical face-to-face engagements, but virtual face-to-face engagements as well. So Daniel, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, My pleasure, Gavin. Great to connect with you guys today. Perhaps to get started, you could tell us a little bit about the transformation that's happened from the engagements that people used to think of as briefing centers and engagement centers to what you are really innovating today across the whole enterprise towards creating a multi-threaded, multi-level engagement from company to company. Happy to share that. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening in today, you have a a good understanding of what is an executive briefing program, right? Or a customer experience program. And HPE, we're a very mature company and we've had this type of program, corporate program for, for many, 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 many years, right? When we were one company as Hewlett Packard and even after the split and creating two different programs for the two different companies. So we have a very storied and mature program with great investment from our leadership. They see the value of having engagement centers. And so, so we're very fortunate and blessed to have that. As I kind of stepped into this new director role, and as we opened our new headquarters in Houston, Texas, I'm shifting the company from California to Texas, big decision, big opportunity. And and I saw that as an opportunity for us to also shift the way that we thought of executive briefing centers. And so I pitched to my leadership to make a transformation to move away from calling ourselves EBCs and to transition to customer innovation centers. And and for me, it was much more than just a a name change or a new brand. It was really a shift in our thinking of how we designed and executed uh, engagements and really going away from this more for me, exclusive feel of an executive briefing center, even just in the name executive, applies that we're, we're really catering so to a certain tier of personas. And the term briefing is typically kind of associated with, hey, you're going to come in and we're going to brief you on all of our roadmaps and our updates and our speeds and feeds, right? And, and we're really trying to shift all of that thinking into a much more innovative, two-way conversation, collaborative, immersive. And so for me, in order to do that, we needed a big kind of crystallizing moment and to change all of our our centers. And I was fortunate to have a leader who was in line with me and step with me on that thinking. And so we pulled that trigger. And so early last year in FY22, we made the decision to transform all of our centers to customer innovation centers. And again, making sure we have the right personas within our teams to deliver on that and to uplift the conversation. It was a lot of challenges also with change management, right? With sales teams, even today, a year and a half later, so it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have an EBC. I'm going to have an EBC and just trying to help change that language of EBC to customer innovation centers and this focus on up-leveling the, 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 the engagement. And it's, it's been a fun journey though. We've seen a really, 
really positive reaction from our Salesforce. We've gotten tremendous feedback from our customers. They see the difference. They feel the difference. We see it in our feedback surveys. We see it in the type of conversations that are being had, the outcomes of those conversations, right? And our face-to-face interactions have been super positive, but it was, it was a big, a big shift for us. And it's still a journey that we're on. I think we'll always be on this journey and pursuing that next level of innovative thinking on how we engage. So I think this is a great topic that we're on today about how we humanize that. How do we make that a really personal interaction when a customer comes on site to our, our campuses? Yeah, I think there's a lot to sort of unpack there. But one of the things that sort of struck me as you were talking about this is the centricity of the customer in the whole process. You know, EVC started out, as you said, by let us brief you on what's going on in our company, right? And it seems to me that this would never have succeeded and you wouldn't have received the support had the culture been on a journey to shift to customer centricity for the whole corporation as well, right? This can't just be a little island out there with you waving the flag saying, hey, we're going to talk about the customer. It's about how you engage at all different levels. And and is this sort of part of that cultural shift for you? And is this one of the elements that you are observing as part of the culture change at HPE and, and in the industry in general? Absolutely, right? And, and it's, it's focused on business outcomes, right? It's focused on customers' needs. And I know many EBC programs, you see the most success when you can tailor and personalize the agenda, the topics, the white glove touches. We know that those are proven methodologies to have a successful program, right? And I think this is just the next evolution of that, of really making sure that it's completely customer focused. And I think, you know, our program is seen by our sales leadership as us having kind of our finger on the pulse of the customer and providing that customer insight because we're literally meeting with customers every single day of the week in multiple geographies and in multiple industries. And we are able to be that sounding board that our executives, our sales leaders, our senior leadership can utilize this to understand what are the trends? What are people caring about? What are the hot topics? What are customers concerns? What are their roadblocks? Again, I think we're able to have a much bigger impact on the business and the ROI on investments that go into our program. We're able to track and give metrics on on all of this, right? Both qualitative and quantitative, which I think is a big part of this. I think it's partly the success that you're seeing and that you're going to drive is in the context of the customer's behavior changing over time as well. I think that one of the things we've observed is there's far more people involved in making decisions particularly large enterprise infrastructure applications decisions than there used to be. I think it used to be not necessarily one person, but a small group of people at the office of the CIO or some you know, data center operations or something where you could get a small group of people, particularly executives, get them together, have a conversation, and then a decision would be made for the company. Right? And that trend is now moving to a much more decentralized and much more consensus driven and larger organizations involved in the decision, which also means that you have to then broaden your program to appeal to a variety of different constituents in the process. Everybody gets to see your value story, not just at your technologies, but what value you're providing, right? 
Yeah. yeah and I, I think, I think understanding the personas that you're dealing with is a, a huge and critical part of any program, right? Doing as much homework as you can about who's coming, right? In our past, we always heavily, and we still do, heavily relied on the sales team to provide all of the understanding of the objectives and the personas. And what we are trying to push forward and the trend that we're trying to implement is to actually give our teams direct access to the customer beforehand in the planning process to be able to interview the personas, at least the key decision makers who are coming in advance of the engagement to make sure that we are all in step. Because sometimes I believe there are some things that are lost in translation <laughs> between a sales team and our team of what the priorities and sometimes there's some bias of what they're trying to sell and what quotas they have. And really at the heart, we really want to make sure we are meeting the needs of the customer, not so much always the salespeople. We really are putting customer first, not the salesperson or the sales team first, if that makes sense. And sometimes that takes that interview or that confirmation directly, but it's this collaborative effort. And we're seeing a shift and being more open to that because we're able to connect, connect the dots that when you give our team access to your customer ahead of time, it's a much more valuable experience. Yeah. Well, you, you said something there was kind of interesting about knowing the people who are coming, but something else that you've done that I think is really interesting is you're also catering to people who don't come to the center. Yeah. You might get 10, 12 people, but there's another 5,000 people who probably need to be involved somewhere. Absolutely. You might get an executive or a team lead who goes back to the organization and say, well, we saw some interesting things. I want to share them with you. What are you doing to connect those people who aren't flying in if, if they need to? Yeah. Obviously for us, the, the catalyst for all of our programs was was COVID and how to solve for uh, having a virtual presence and a way to engage with customers remotely and virtually, right? And so from the onset, we took a mentality of, of trying to use the most innovative tools and creating net new capabilities and new platforms um, to engage with our customers and create that differentiated experiences that go beyond a Zoom call, that go beyond a Teams call and giving them something to interact with. Because you know we build these physical, beautiful centers that have all the bells and whistles and great technology investment and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, COVID put all that on halt and, and like, okay, how do we still bring this dynamic experience and give people a playground to walk around in? And so obviously we had a great partnership with Kaon in, in this effort to create that differentiated virtual presence. I think we were really successful in providing a very unique customer portal and customer virtual experience. In the post-COVID era, 95% of our engagements are back to face-to-face -face in almost every geography, but the world is now hybrid, right? Before COVID, when we had virtual attendees, you would set up a Zoom call or a Teams bridge, and you kind of forgot that people were listening in. You were so focused on the face-to-face, -face, and it was a very second-class experience for those people who couldn't fly in for the face-to-face. -face. And so I think with the creation of our new virtual tools, we are now able to at least try to be on par for someone who cannot physically come to a center to still give them an interactive and immersive capability. So just the way that we designed our rooms, the cameras that we use for special presentations, we have immersive theaters, we'll go into the theater and the people who are virtual almost feel like they're in the room with you, right? We also have discussion leaders who may not be able to travel, right? And how do they come in virtually into a room to give a presentation? 
how do we also make sure that our people who are delivering content virtually, it feels dynamic for the people who are in the room physically or or virtually. So definitely, you know, the world is hybrid. I think that's that's the standard going forward. And we have to continually be creative. And again, we can't treat those virtual people as second-class citizens. They've got to be treated as just as important as the people who are physically in the room. Yeah. And we've found that the best way to make this a successful program overall is to not think of it as a one-time event either. So that's not like they're coming, they have this great experience. It's like going to Disney World, then you leave and then you're <laughs> back to the grind, right? Yeah, yeah. So the way that I think these experiences, particularly because you now have the capability of being hybrid, is you create these journeys. Sometimes people are faced to face in person. Sometimes they're by themselves in an unguided part of the experience. Sometimes they're together with an HPE team member or team members in a virtual experience. And they go back and forth because they are going to want, just like you as a consumer, want sometimes to go into a store, sometimes to look on the web, sometimes to browse, sometimes to search, sometimes to go back and forth. You do this all the time. It's subconscious. But this is happens in business decision making as well. Having these platforms that allow you to deliver answers to the customer in any environment and at any time, depending on when they have the questions and what's convenient for them, that's customer centricity, right? As opposed to saying, well, we could answer that question, get on a plane, come over here and spend the day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I think this is a mindset that is, it's not just a technology, but it's a mindset as well. It's about how to transform your organization to be customer outcomes focused, which means you've got to be able to deliver answers and have conversations in a variety of formats, in synchronous or asynchronous. 100%. You know, I love what you said. It's about the journey, right? The customer journey. It's not just the one time, okay, they came in on this day, but really the pre journey, right? And in creating excitement and anticipation and helping to set expectations leading up to the experience. And then that post-engagement experience, that, that ability to keep them connected, to continue to deliver valuable content and value experiences post-engagement when they leave your campus or they, or if it's a virtual engagement, they hang up and you, they leave the call, giving them a compelling reason to go back into your platform and your portal to continue to engage with the content, right? And being very thoughtful on that, which is, is a hard thing to do. Right? It's, it's no easy task. So it's trying to adapt and, and, and change some behaviors there as well. But you've got to be really dynamic with how that's delivered to your customer base. Yeah. And I think that there's a, a combination of change that you're talking about there. Yes, you're right. It's, it's difficult to change. And I think that the mindset of the sales team is sometimes the hardest to change because they've been taught and their experience has been, this is how you do things. You control the sales process, you do this, you drive. And now putting them in a position where sometimes they have to let go. They have to give customers control and or other people in the organization. I, I would agree with that, Gavin. One thing we're seeing is the data helps, right? You've, but it's not data for data's sake, but how do you tell a story with it? Back to sales of the value prop and why this shift in how we think about customer engagements is so critical, right? And, and getting salespeople to be your champions, I think is a big part of our strategy because 
it's much more powerful when another sales leader goes to another sales leader and says, hey, if you haven't gone to the center lately, you've got to go see what those people are doing. It's really fantastic. I was able to do this huge deal with this customer and change their perception and all this stuff. You want to look for those change agents because I think it's just a more, much more powerful message coming from them. One of the most interesting challenges that we were given by our chief sales officer was that in his purview, our centers are the space where we have the greatest opportunity to change a customer's perception of who HPE is. Because believe it or not, we still have new logos that when they first come to us, like, oh, HPE, you guys make printers and laptops, right? And it's opening them up to like, no, we are Hewlett Packard Enterprise. That is HP Inc. And having that conversation to talk about our strategy and our as a service model and all, you know, the, the transition of the company, it's this great opportunity to expose them to who the new HPE is. There's also, I think, a tendency to focus on the technologies. So there's mm. lots of great experiences you can have, whether they're immersive experiences or just fun experiences in a center like that. And I think this is where, again, there's a, a more holistic balance that has to happen as to why they're there. And it starts with solving their problems, but building. And in order to do that, you really have to as you said, understand the personas and then what they care about and what value you deliver to solve their particular aspects of the problem. Sure. So you may have a particular solution that's got great, let's say the, the speed of the transactions are much faster, which is great. And that particular person cares about transaction speed. Great. But you got somebody else who cares about security, right? And you want to make sure that their need is understood and then you've got somebody else who cares about maintenance and total cost of ownership. You know, I think in order to shift that perception to a value-based discussion, not a technology-based discussion. Yeah. And this is a way, this is another challenge for an innovation center is to say, we've got all these great innovations. Let's show you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's got to be in the context of how that's ultimately going to help you. And you are in a position, given the fact that you're sort of the showcase for these technologies and bringing that context to bear. I think that's a, another part of our transformation is that we're on a mission to, to really up-level our capabilities for storytelling because storytelling is what, to me, makes a huge impact and difference and making it personal and connected, right? So using innovation, I, I'm a huge techie. I love cool stuff. I love flashy, fun interactive stuff, but it, it can't be tech for the sake of tech, but it's got to be able to tell a story. So uh, an example, taking a, a healthcare customer, but showcasing something that we're doing really cool with smart manufacturing, right? Exposing them to some of the thinking in a different industry and how they're using different data analytics and edge devices to collect data and make better insights to better optimize factories. Well, what's the application for a hospital or a clinic, right? And you'll find that their ears perk up because they don't want to just hear about what other healthcare providers are doing. Mm -hmm. they, go to, they go to their own conferences and their own trade shows all the time. They hear all that, but it's an opportunity to expose them to what other industries that might have some cross connects there, right? And then just, again, it's all about the art of the possible. And you never know what might spark that idea of like, oh, I never would have thought of that, or I never would have thought of that application or that kind of outcome. And I think one of the things we have to find a way of doing in these opportunities is letting the customers sometimes come to those conclusions for themselves. And that's why I love your storytelling. And I also like the idea of these cross-industry stories because, you know, we've had experiences as well where we would 
have discussions, not showcases and not presentations, but have discussions about what's going on in different industries, knowing full well in the back of our minds, we really see this opportunity for this particular customer. But then you have to hold yourself back and you have to let them come to that conclusion for two reasons. One, it's much more powerful when the customer comes to those conclusions themselves. They see your manufacturing example and they think, hey, I have a lab. I have lots of throughput there. I'm not making that stuff, but you know, I have some similar issues. The light bulb goes off and then it's their idea. And so I think there's a training process involved there and how to tell the stories in a way that are metaphorical as opposed to sort of pedantic where you, you know, how Shakespeare was so great at metaphors and you would say in Romeo and Juliet, you are my son, right? He didn't say you're the center of my universe and you're everything. <laughs> you're my son, right? Now, what happens is the person reading that and hearing that says, what does it mean to be through their lens, through their lens, right? Yeah, exactly. absolutely. And yeah, so absolutely. when you're telling stories like this, telling these metaphorical cross-industry stories, and then sitting back and waiting, that's the power of the combination of either technologies and storytelling and that human interaction that makes all the difference in the world. I love what you said, Gavin. Let them come to their conclusion on their own. Let them connect the dots on their own because a lot of times it's just so much more powerful. And again, that's stuff that you just have to coach and invest in your people because unfortunately that just doesn't happen on its own. You've got to have it part of the game plan and the strategy. When you're gaming those things out, it's about working very hard to make serendipitous events happen, right? So you get really <laughs> lucky when you work hard. Yeah, well, you're right. <laughs> it all just landed perfectly into place, right? Oh, yeah. What a magical situation. Yeah. I think magic does happen in those situations. But I think, you know, engineered magic, right? It's engineered <laughs> magic. There's a way, I think, of when you are customer centric. You don't start with your technology innovations. You talk about what's going on in the world, the big forces, the macro forces. You have this conversation. People are, are resonating with that. Yes, we're seeing that in our industry. We, you know, I know you didn't see this in your industry, but there's lots of this going on in healthcare. Oh, my God. Yes, it's happening to us, too. So now you, you've got a context, the macro forces. And then what you bring to the table as the industry experts is, what this means is you're going to have to transform your business to solve these problems in these ways. Yeah. And they're saying, yes, that's great because we've been doing this the other way. And these are some of the roadblocks we either are seeing now or we're going to see. And then the magic happens when you say, so here's how we've invented some new technologies that enable those Absolutely. applications, those solutions that you're going to need. And so it puts a context around all of that technology innovation, that second word in your acronym, the innovation becomes contextual. It's like, okay, now I understand why you do all this research into high-performance computing or into artificial intelligence or whatever it is of security, because now I understand and I can come to my own conclusions about how this is going to help me, right? 100%. 100%. Makes yeah. a big difference. And I also like your model of these discussion groups because you are the HPE discussion leader across the whole enterprise. And that word discussion is critical because Absolutely. Interaction is the way people actually learn. They they remember more when they're mm -hmm. interactive, they're engaged more, and then they make better decisions because they have been participants in the process. And it means you have to be not only experts in your technologies and the, your business, but in the business of customer engagement, right? Absolutely. Uh, 100%. I want to get 
kind of your take on something. So I work in the world of high tech at HPE and, you know, the biggest hot topic in the world right now in, our, in, in every industry is AI, right? And artificial intelligence with the explosion of chat GPT really brought AI to the forefront of the normal consumer, right? AI is now accessible from your phone anywhere in the world, right? I would love to understand from your perspective, Gavin, some of the trends you're seeing when it comes to customer experience, what role is AI going to play? I'm thinking about the answer to that question in two different ways. What can we do about it and why things different today? Because you said ChatGPT, I think appropriately, sort of exploded into the public domain. But of course, it's been around a long time. And I think the big difference today that makes artificial intelligence both more accessible to everybody, but also more useful are two key trends. One is the availability of data. Artificial intelligence was around for decades, but in order to train models and in order to get them to truly be learning, they had to have a lot of data. And up until recently, the last 20 years or so, we were not generating enough data as an industry or as a society to create these training scenarios where models could become effective on their own. And now that we are instrumenting everything, you know, there's instruments, there's sensors, there's processors everywhere. We are collecting enormous amounts of data. There's an HPE GreenLake data environment that's got trillions and trillions of gigabytes of data all over the place. Every time an autonomous vehicle starts up, it's collecting gigabytes of data every second. So now we have lots of data. And I think that's that provides the opportunity in one case. The second um, big transformation is the huge increase in parallel processing capability and speeds. And so once we created, and HP has been a big part of creating parallel processing environments at scale, you now have the opportunity to take all of those data and then solve problems in real time. And I think that makes, you know, not only for training, but actually for interaction, right? The power of swarm learning, right, is a great example. Yeah. Yeah. So that's facilitated things. Now, the first reaction on marketers and salespeople was, well, I've got Daniel Sherrill here. <laughs> Slice and dice Daniel's environment up into 14 million pieces. And then I'll, I'll know everything I need to know. And then I'll be able to say exactly the right things and he'll buy what I want to sell. And I, my approach to that and our approach to town is, is that's not a customer-centric approach. That's a way to optimize your sales process. What we think we ought to be doing, and, and here's two areas where I think customer engagement is going to benefit is how can we make that customer experience better because of AI and because of the data? So the two areas that there's at least 20, but I'll just focus on two for brevity's sake, are how to create navigation and customer interactions that are not only personalized, but get better and better over time. And we're applying AI in this way in these customer experiences so that you've got a digital customer engagement and it's learning from what you're doing and what everybody else is doing. And so the more you interact with them, the better they get, not because they're providing different information, but they're providing more relevant information at the right time based on your interaction. So let's say I'm I'm interested in you know this particular aspect of a, a solution and it provided and said, in order to really understand that you you should look at this or you might need to know this. Oh, I didn't know that. So you, it becomes its own way of 
improving an experience. And then, so that's one area where I think there's a tremendous amount of potential. And that's not as much a large language model as it is sort of a neural network and, and learning system on its own. And because of the availability of these tools, I think we have a great deal of opportunity there. In the LLMs, the chat GPT sort of thing, so you might be using a visually interactive customer innovation center, going into different rooms, learning about things, but you might want to ask a question. So you create a question and answer capability right within there. What's the best flash storage system for me for this application? Or how would I choose between these two things? And you can have a conversation about that and it would be contextual. I love it. Yeah, that's exciting. I think it allows us to have our techno geek capability yeah. that makes us happy, but also Absolutely. be very customer centric and outcomes focused, right? Love it. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, if you were going to give people involved in customer experience centers yeah. one or two pieces of advice, you know, what would you, based on the experience that you've had over the last years, recommend to people who were trying to accomplish some of the things that you've been able to accomplish? Mm -hmm. I would challenge you to like, again, push the envelope. Don't be afraid to try something new and fail fast, right? It's okay. You know, I would say choose when you're going to try some new methodologies or some new facilitation tactics or some new storytelling capabilities, choose a couple of friendlies. We all have in our, in our customer base, some friendlies or partners that we can trust and try those things out in a safe way. Push the envelope, push for more. Don't settle for just the tried and true. And you may have a very successful program, but you have no idea what you might be missing out on if you don't go and take some risk, right? Because I think it's it's about that whole risk reward. And, and as long as you're putting the customer first and thinking about how you can have the best impact on them, you're going to come out in a much better way. And again, I think the other thing is just leaning into the latest innovations, right? And really plugging in and, and trying out new technologies. I'm, I, we're super excited about the world of AI and, and the possibilities, especially in regards to things like customer sentiment analysis, using interactive heat maps in our centers to understand where people are spending their time, right? And that's all just internal stuff that's informing us to have, again, evolution of our program and where we should be focusing on, right? I, I think it's just a really fun and exciting time to be in the world of, of customer experience for sure. Well, I think those are not only customer experience lessons, but life lessons to yeah, take a little sure. bit of risk, <laughs> embrace the technology. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. You've been wonderful. I really want to thank you for your time. I'm sure people listening to the podcast are going to appreciate all of your insights and experiences. Please. Thanks, Gavin. Absolutely.